I had the very unique privilege of getting to be a part of this this year. You know, I've done other retreats and things like that. There is just something undefinably special about this midwinter retreat. There's an intense amount of support from adults, from college students, and the kids. I mean, it was just a very special experience for me. And I'm so grateful to be where I am um, and to be able to hang with these kids and, and get to know these college students and work with these adult leaders. It was an amazing time. I want to throw out some quotes from this weekend that we heard. Um, I, I, one of the reasons that, one of the things I love most about ministry is doing ministry with my friends. And so I was able to bring a great friend of mine um, who's a youth pastor in East Texas. His name was Daniel, and he brought the word for us. He did an amazing job. And um, there's just some things that he said that I want to kind of speak over all of us this morning. Um, One of the things he said was, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. This was something that we as a youth, I feel, really connected with. Um, We all have problems. We all have stuff. Things that we struggle with, some of us. More than others. And the simple truth of the scripture is it's okay to not be okay. God does not require us to clean ourselves up before we come to him, before he grabs us. We don't have to be made perfect to receive his grace. It is okay to not be okay. But then the second part of that is you got to move. It's not okay to stay that way. Take action. Let God change what he needs to change. You can't do it. God can do that. That was something I think we really connected with this weekend. Another one, the same God that shows up on retreats and summer camps is the same God that shows up in the what, students? Silence. The same God that shows up at retreats like this, at summer camps, in those places where we get those spiritual highs where it's loud. The same God that shows up with loud music. The same God that shows up in those places is the same God that shows up when we take time to be quiet. That's the same God that can speak to us. And so often I think, and this is something that Daniel talked about, we neglect that opportunity to sit and listen to sit and listen to what it is that God has to say to us. We're so busy, we constantly have to be doing something, listening to something, looking at something. We can't just sit and be quiet for five, ten minutes and just rest. I think that's something that we need to be doing. And the last one that I'll say is stop trying to do. Just be. Stop trying to do. Just be. And we'll talk a little bit more about that this morning. These are some things that I hope will echo with us. Let me read you guys some scripture. We talked a lot about the Garden of Eden this weekend, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Um, And honestly, on Thursday morning, when I was in my own just time in the scripture, I was reading in Isaiah 12, and I had no idea what I was going to preach on. In fact, I think I'd just gotten an email from Lauren saying, hey, I need your scripture title. And I was like, oh, I do need to do that. And so I was reading this passage And for some reason, it just completely connected to me with what we were going to do this weekend. So let me read this to you guys. Isaiah 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. 
Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. You know, we talk a lot about spreading the gospel in these days. Trying to think about what spreading the gospel might have looked like in the Old Testament. It was nearly impossible to take a non-Hebrew person and explain to him who God was and then explain to him, now that you've accepted who this is, let me give you a book of things that you have to do in order to get to him. And then let me give you a second book that you need to memorize and that's all the stuff you have to do as well. Oh, and then there's the law. It was a very difficult proposition to explain and honestly, you don't see a lot of that happening. It's just not what they did. Nowadays, this is our mission, right? Go and make disciples of all the nations. How much do you think that the Old Testament Hebrews who were so passionate on fire for God and wanted to spread it, how much do you think they wish they had what we have? That we have this truth, we have this freedom. We have this unshackling to offer people. Where there are those who are in bondage, we have the key to release them from said bondage. We are the ones that hold this freedom. How much do you think they wish they had what we had? And then there will come a time when evangelism will honestly not even be necessary because Jesus will be here. And people will be drawn in. We won't have to do much of anything because he will already be here. But right now, we are in this season where it is our mission and it is our goal to make disciples of the nations. And one of the things we sort of have to do first is become a disciple ourselves. And as we can see from Scripture, a disciple is someone who has literally devoted his entire life to the purposes of Christ. Jesus was not super tolerant of half-hearted commitment. When we see that, it doesn't work out super well. In fact, when the church was just a baby, tiny little baby born church in Acts, some people tried to just give half of themselves to the church and hold back part of it, and they died. Like just fell down. God is not super tolerant of half-hearted commitment. He wants everything. He wants everything. And the truth is, your life is harder with every bit of it you hold back from God. With every ounce of yourself that you keep for you, your life becomes that much more complicated, that much less free. With every ounce of yourself that you hold back, you're keeping on a chain where you could become more free. We see this throughout the entirety 
of Scripture. That the more we see people commit and give themselves over to what he has, the more free they become and the crazier their lives are. The more sold out, insane, going and changing the world their lives become. With every ounce that you keep, the less you're able to do. The less you are able to accomplish. You see, in the Garden of Eden, that wasn't a problem. There were these beautiful, natural rhythms that God wove into this place where, yes, Adam worked. He had work to do. He was in charge of all of the earth, essentially. He was given dominion over all the animals and the beasts of the field. He had work to do, but also he had rest. There was rest woven into the rhythm of that place. And there was relationship with God woven into the rhythm of that place. And there was relationship with his wife, with people woven into that place. And everything was just simple. And there was freedom, and there was joy, and there was just peace. But then that rhythm was broken. And as Daniel explained to us this weekend, Adam and Eve stood together and watched as the enemy went after she because she did not hear it directly from God and he knew that she was the one that he could get to. And so Adam, the leader in that family, stood by, watched it happen, and then took with her because in that moment, his rhythm was disconnected from God. In that moment, his rhythm was focused on Eve. He wanted to please her. He wanted, maybe they were in a fight just an hour ago. You know how when you get in a fight with your wife, you'll just pretty much do whatever she says about an hour later? Just because you don't want to, you don't want to go back into it? Maybe that's what happened. Who knows? But in that moment, Adam disconnected from his role as leader and allowed happen what happened. And that rhythm became broken. Work became much, much harder. Rest became very hard to come by. Even connection with God became difficult. It was no longer as simple as walking in the midst of the garden. It was no longer as simple as that. And relationship with people became broken and disconnected. In fact, the offspring of Adam and Eve killed one one another. Those rhythms became broken, and so now we have this disconnect. We have this thing within us that is constantly longing for reconnection with that. Because God did not scrap humanity and then make a new one with different rhythms. It's the same people. We are all descendant from this first group of people. Inheriting those same rhythms, those same desires, those same natural inclinations toward connection with a Savior, toward somehow walking in the midst of the garden, toward a place where rest is simple, where connection with people is easy. We are connected and desiring that, but it's broken. See, one of the other things that God wove into this world, and this may sound weird, but a desire for things to sort of be easy We have this sort of inclination, and you can see it in babies because they have no desire to work for anything that they get. I can't explain to my two-year-olds the concept of, oh, you want a you want a snack? Did you did you go buy groceries? If you want a snack, you might want to get in the car and go to the grocery store and get a squeezy pack because I don't have any. I can't explain that to her. She just wants it. She has a need. She wants it fulfilled. 
we have that same thing. As we grow up, it doesn't really go away. We find ways to hide it, but it's still there. Because in the Garden of Eden, that's the way it was. We worked, we rested, we had relationship with God, we had relationship with others, and it was all just there. And the way of the world is not work hard and you'll get what you want. The way of the world is stop and God will give it to you. Just be and God will give you what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. And the all of these things is everything that you need in life. Because you see, God tells us in the curse, you're going to have to work hard and toil and get what you want through toil. But then he also says, look at the birds of the field. Look at the lilies. They don't work. And I provide. They had nothing to do with the beauty that surrounds them, but yet they're there. God will give you what you need if you make him, you're everything. The more you hold for yourself, the more God will allow you to do that. The more you decide, I want to be in control of myself, the more God will let you. It's funny, even our bodies are built this way. Do you have to set an alarm to eat? Do you have to set an alarm to put on a jacket when it's cold? You don't. When you're cold, you feel cold. When your body temperature is beginning to drop, and if it doesn't get warm soon, you might get sick, your body tells you. When it's time for your body to receive more energy, more nutrients, your body tells you. When you have to go to the bathroom, your body tells you. You don't have to do that. 90% of the maintenance of this body is already taken care of because God built it that way so that you don't have to do it. If our body was built in such a way where we had to figure out somehow that our bladder was full or would explode, we would all be dead. If our body was built in such a way that we had to decide when our body needed sleep, we would all be dead. Your body is built in such a way that it takes out 90% of the work for you. You don't have to figure those things out. You know when you're hungry. You know when you're cold. You know when you're tired. You know when these things are needed and you provide what it needs. Your soul, however, you seem to neglect it. We all do. Our soul yearns for this connection and we feed it with sex. We feed it with relationships. We feed it with money, with drugs, with pornography. We feed it with all of these things that it doesn't need. And if we did our body like that, we would die. If you were tired and ate a steak, that wouldn't work. If you were hungry and just went to the bathroom, it wouldn't work. If you were cold and put on a tank top, your body would not work. Your soul has these desires, just like your body does, and yet we constantly try to fill it with things that don't work. This is why the world says things like, life is crap. Life is hard, life is crazy. Life is pointless. That's why the world shouts that out, because they don't get it. 
They don't understand that they have this hunger that they're feeding with the wrong things, constantly corroding themselves. We have the truth. We have what they need. Guys, our body, no matter how perfectly you take care of it, no matter how wonderful you look, no matter how in shape you are, no matter what you do, your body will decay. It will go away. It will die. There is absolutely nothing that you can do about it. But yet, that's what we spend so much time worrying about, is ourselves. This temporary existence that no matter what you do will eventually stop working. But yet within us, there is this soul, this eternal thing that so few of us spend the right amount of time on. We worry about the temporary things and we forget the eternal. You have an opportunity We all do. The whole world does. Has an opportunity for our existence, for our soul to exist eternally in the presence of he who made it. But we don't always think of it like that. We're more concerned with what's going on right now and less about what we could have after this is all over. And it's not just about us. It's about the world. It's about going and making disciples of the nations because, yes, okay, let's make disciples of ourselves. Let's do that. Let's make rest a priority. Let's make relationship with God a priority. Let's make relationship with others a priority. Let's seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. But part of that is bringing that new truth to the people who don't have it. We are not the hoarders of the truth. We are the givers of the truth. We should explode out of these doors with love and grace and peace for the world out there that doesn't understand that they have an opportunity for eternal life with he who made them. This is the, gro- this is the beauty of the gospel. No longer do we have to hand them six books and say, memorize this. All we have to do is say, Believe that Jesus is who he said he was and he did what he came to do and you have freedom. And you can unlock the bondages that you feel from this earth. The thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to can go and we can be. We can stop worrying about whether or not we're going to get what we need, have what we want, live as long as we think we should live, do what we think we should do. We can just rest in him and let him move us where we need to go. I love this chapter in Isaiah because it's, it's not talking about right now. It's talking about a day that is still yet to come. When Christ will live on this earth with us and reign and rule and the world will be drawn to him. And in that day, 
and even leading up to that day, we have some options. We can give thanks to the Lord, sing praises to the Lord, be grateful that his anger has turned from us, accept that God is our salvation, trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song. With joy, we can draw water from the well of salvation, or as it says in the chapter previous, we can crouch among the dead and hide among the prisoners and live as they live. I'm going to ask the the band to come up. Before they begin, I want to call you to action. This action is not something that I need you to go out and accomplish. It's not something that I want you to go out and do. The action that I want to call you to is this. Give it all away. Give it all away. Nothing that you're holding back for yourself is going to do anything for you. The greatest work that you can do as a disciple of God is to give everything you have away to him. To surrender all of it. To loosen your grip on all of it and say, God, all of this is yours. Call me, move me, push me. Keep me where I am. Take me somewhere else. Do whatever you want to do with me. I am not my own. You are the ruler. You are the captain of my salvation. You are the master of my fate. I want nothing to do with the control of this life. I want you to move me, to push me, to change me, to mold me, to shape me, to make me understand that it's okay to not be okay, but I don't want to stay that way anymore. I want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to crouch among the prisoners and hide among the dead. I want to stand as a light and bring this truth of love and grace and mercy and freedom to every single person that I interact with simply by saying hello. There is so much that we can give the world. Go and be. Stop trying to do. Just be. God, you are our rock. You are our salvation. You are the source of all joy. You are the source of all peace and life in this place. No one can take away what you have done. And what you have done, God, is given us the freedom that even Adam and Eve had in the garden that we might once again walk greatly in your midst. God, no longer do we have to live with shackles of sin, but we are free because you died that we might have what we needed all along. You died that you might restore what was broken. You heard our cries for salvation. You heard the longing of our souls to fix what was ripped in half and you brought it back together. And yet, 
we sometimes don't recognize that God bring us back in to that right relationship. Let us not hold any part of ourselves away from you. God, rip those things out of us if you need to. I am tired of crouching among the dead. God, lift me up. Put me where you want me. Make me be where you want me to be. Let me not hide from you, but pull me out. Push me. Shape me. Mold me. You are the potter, God. We are the clay. We want to be how you want us. And God, as we respond to you in worship, we just ask that you feel loved by us. That our words of song would not fall on deaf ears, God. That you would know that we are grateful, that we love you, that we want more of you. Reach into us and mold us as you need as we sing to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.